Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville. Local Pride, Global Technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com. 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Daniel Robison, Assistant News Director here at WFIU, along with News Director Stan Dostrebsky. Today we're talking about the psychological impact of being unemployed. On the program today are Indiana University Counseling and Psychological Services Director Nancy Stockton and Centerstone Employment Consultant Kim Jackson-Modlin. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Before we get started, let me remind listeners they can join the program by phone at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-WFIU. Ask a question or make a comment. You can also send in a written question by going to our website, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition, one word. Well, let's start talking about what you guys do. How have you both come into contact with, uh, with the sour economy? We'll start with you. Okay. Uh, I direct the counseling service at the IU Health Center, and we certainly have students uh, coming in uh, concerned about uh, such things as maybe an internship has been canceled or a job that they thought uh, they had a real good shot at, uh, uh, suddenly the funding isn't there. So stress is associated with that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. As an employment consultant for Centerstone, um, my job is to uh, actually matchmake. I help clients that have physical or mental health uh, challenges find them the right job with the right employer that can accommodate their needs. And right now we're seeing a lot of folks that uh, are coming back because past, past employment history didn't work out so well. So they're coming to us to see if we can help mentor them and assist them in finding the right employment spot. Is that, is that a job that's especially tough in a sour economy because it seems like even um, even the people who would seem to be the, the best fit for some jobs are not getting those jobs. Do the people who have special needs, are, are they even further behind the eight ball at some point and, and do they require even, even a little bit of extra help to try and make sure that they're taken care of as well? I absolutely do believe they are behind the eight ball. Um, and that's why there's so there are so many great services in Bloomington for them, especially at Centerstone, because we can help them job develop. We can help them job carve. For example, in the past, maybe an employer says, well, we, don't, we really don't need anyone in this particular job um, with those special barriers. What we do is we break the jobs down. We find, a job, uh, we find a position that would work for both the employer and the employee, maybe with less hours. Um, and allow that employer to um, to continue on with, say, the degreed employee or the person with specialized training, and then work our folks in, get their foot in the door, so that they may have better opportunities, you know, within ninety days or one hundred twenty days after being employed. So yes, it is harder for them, but not impossible. And have employers been um, receptive in, in this economy to making some of these uh, accommodations? And and can in fact these accommodations work out better? for an employer, uh, for their bottom line or for their their workforce as a whole to incorporate more different types of people? I feel that it's definitely an asset to an employer to uh, take the time to job carve and specialize. And I do believe that the employers in Bloomington have really stepped up as a community and as an employment force to um, meet as many needs as they possibly can with our clientele. Um, I believe it benefits everyone in the end. You get people in a position where they feel comfortable, where they can do the specialized job. They're willing to stay there. They're motivated. They're loyal. Um, in return, there are a lot of um, 
different programs out there that will reimburse employers for taking this chance, for giving um, the clients the opportunity to do the very best work they can do. And that puts out a product that makes everyone happy. Use the word or the term job carve. What, is, yes. what does that mean? Well, that's a great term. Job carve means, for example, um, you have a workforce, uh, say, uh, let's just choose a restaurant. I'm just picking a restaurant. Um, maybe they don't need a specific person that does everything, but they do need small tasks taken care of, such as silverware rolled up, um, Tables that normally are bussed by the wait staff, maybe they have a, a person that can do rolling of the silverware, bussing particular tables, um, a seating. Um, when they see that the hostess are getting a little bit busy, they can step up and take care of that. For example, um, some of the pizza places need their pizza boxes folded. Things like that, that if they have a special person in there taking care of that, it, it lets up the other job duties for the other employees. Well, both of you have people coming to you uh, trying to help them find a job or find uh, something to do. Talk a bit about how your jobs have changed since uh, the economy has uh, gone sour. Um, one of the things we've done at CAPS, that's, that's the counseling services, uh, our students are much more conscious, I think, of their, their budgets, their, their wallets. And, and uh, there is a small fee for counseling at, at CAPS. So one of the things we've done is – uh, design workshops. We have uh, success seminars and coping with life stresses workshops that are free to students. So we have ramped those up, increased those. Mm-hmm. Kim? I've learned to be a lot more tenacious and pushy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, um, before um, we could take our time, um, we would approach an employer several times and, and give them more of an opportunity to kind of step back and look at the whole program. Now I find myself kind of parachuting in and advocating for our client, um, explaining what benefits are out there. Uh, the government is offering more programs than they've offered before and on-the-job training, work experience, tax credits. Um, those are things that I find myself really um, educating employers about. And in the past, it wasn't so much about what the benefit was. It was just they were needing people to fill the position. And now you really have to get in there and show them um, the magnificent set of clientele that you're working with and what they can bring to them and in return what that can save them financially. So that it can be, you know, as I said before, a win-win situation and a good match for both parties. Has that been a tough sell? Yes, it has been a very tough sell. But as I said before, Bloomington is an outstanding community. They're very open-hearted um, and they're willing to really take the time to um, educate themselves on um, disabilities, mental health challenges, and um, what the government's doing right now to uh, meet both of those needs for the employers to get the right workforce in the right position. So if you go into an employer and you're really trying to make a case for a certain uh, person to say, uh, please hire this person, and then they don't get it, maybe that person's gotten their their hopes up. What what then do you go back to that person and say uh, at that point when they didn't get the job? You know, the sad thing is, is I've come across that two or three times in, just in the past few weeks. And um, I've got people that they're so excited. They go to an interview and the interview goes really well. They just do an outstanding job. And then I call back to the employer and they say, you know, I'm so sorry. We found somebody else for this position. And, and I just get sick to my stomach because I have to call these wonderful people and tell them I'm really sorry. What I try to do is explain to them that once again, this is nothing personal. This is about the economy. And as you referred to earlier, there are people with um, 20 and 30 years of experience, with people that are degreed and skilled, that are getting positions that normally um, it wouldn't have been something that they would have wanted to do. So I try to explain that to the clients. And then we also do a lot of exercises and we do uh, we provide counseling to them to help them rebound from this. And we just keep telling them, you've got to stay positive. Don't let the drama in. Don't focus on that. Um, you've really got to get out there and believe in yourself and keep going. Um, and it's very hard. And, and I, I feel like sometimes I'm just I want to meet them where they are and, and um, offer them as many um, opportunities as I can with the um, with the employment community in Bloomington, but it's just not there sometimes, and we just have to be as honest as we can and then process that through them, that, that transition because it is a letdown. And so it, no matter who you are, it's a letdown when you go to a job interview and you don't get it because you feel like it's a personal affront. 
I think Kim's point about it be, taking it personally, that's certainly something that her clientele shares with the IU, IU students who come to our service. It's very easy in this sour economy, as you say, for students or, 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 or anyone to feel somehow it's their fault that the internship was, was revoked or they're, they're having extra challenges getting a job. And we, too, work with them to – uh, to, to, to really convince them that they're not doing anything wrong and build back their their kind of optimism and resilience. And, and how do you get people past what they may see as some sort of stigma of not having a job? I mean, how is that uh, a case that you can make to people um, that this is not, in fact, uh, their fault necessarily? That this is endemic of the world economy as a whole, of which they are now a part in some way. I'm going to defer to Nancy on that one. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think of it as kind of a process and I think from a, a counselor's standpoint, helping them um, grieve for a while, feel bad for a while. They can't suddenly turn themselves into a you know, completely optimistic person when they've just maybe uh, uh, sustained some kind of loss of career, job possibility, career choice, something like that. Uh, so, so kind of working with them to – to uh, kind of work through that initial sense of loss and then I think they're in a better position to say uh, – to evaluate themselves and, and, and take a fresh look. What are my assets? What are some more maybe divergent ways of thinking than I was originally thinking about career or job search? It's interesting you say that, that, that you say that one of the first things to do is in fact to grieve, mm-hmm. to uh, – I mean uh, is, there, is there a difference between – Grief at at not being able to accomplish what you want to accomplish, and a sense of feeling sorry for oneself that can, in fact, hinder your job search going forward. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think there there there, there is a difference, and I think a, a, there's a time dimension. Uh, we don't we don't like to see people get stuck in grief or get stuck in feeling sorry for themselves for a long period because that's not helpful. But but I do think it's important to to take some time to feel bad, if you will. I mean, this sounds like it's just no longer putting in some applications, going on some interviews, and and hopefully something will work out. It sounds like there's a whole uh, you know mental health aspect to it that you that you have to deal with. Them. I agree. Well, actually, uh, actually, Freud recognized that uh, <laughs> two the two of the most significant things in a, in a human being's life are vocation, life's work, and relationship. So anything that has a negative impact on on our vocational our vocation our vocational identity our sense of ourselves is going to have a, a negative impact for a while. Do you try to help people think? Uh, oh, this could be worse, right? Uh, you know, things aren't going well if they've gone on a few interviews and it hasn't worked out. Do you try to help them think of the things that are going well in their life? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Well, how how do you go about doing that? Oh, okay. I'll take that one. Sure. Uh, we do a strength uh, assessment. We we try to sit down with them, and but we want them to write it down because once they write it down, then we get it out there, then we can build on that. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Um, what are the opportunities out there that maybe we haven't thought of? And then we um, we make a plan and we go for it. And they are with us 100% of the time when we're out there um, seeking new employment opportunities. We also teach them to think out of the box. What's something that you've always wanted to do that we've never wanted to try? Are you willing to volunteer for a while to get your foot in the door? Um, even though that is not a paid position, volunteering, I think, also restores a sense of pride and a sense of work ethic. They go to the job, they do what they need to do, and um, they become a part of the workforce, which um, a lot of our clients are really missing a connection to other folks. Maybe they haven't been employed for a while and they haven't had that sense of belonging. So we do steer them towards volunteering, and we provide the wraparound services so we don't just send them out for interviews, and if it doesn't work, say, sorry about you. We stick with them and build them back up, as Nancy was referring to. It's such a critical part because if they didn't have that, we couldn't get them out there again. And they have so much to give and so many assets that we just have to keep plugging along. Is there an argument to be made uh, to to both of your constituencies that – one of those things to establish that connection to other people could in fact be unemployment. You know, something like one in 10 people in Indiana is jobless as we speak right now. Can you make that case to the people that you're serving? 
Yeah. Well, I think you you can in some ways. I think people people are very creative. They're, they they do have resilience, and they're discovering ways of connecting around unemployment. Whether it's groups that might meet in a, a church or or something like that of unemployed, uh, I think they're connecting a lot on social networking sites. Uh, 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 like like groups of people are communicating, sharing resources, networking on these sites. So there's a number of ways of connecting. I think that's now being called fun employment. <laughs> I don't know. I was that's a new term. <laughs> a new term to me. Well, I saw it in a magazine, so I guess it's real. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, let me remind callers they can uh, they can call in if, if they want to and ask a question or make a comment. It's 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-WFIU. Well, one of the things you mentioned, uh, Nancy, earlier was uh, was volunteering for a while maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some job-like activities that sort of give a person the semblance of being employed and, and useful that you tell them they can go out and do? Well, for, for students through the IU Student Activities Office, students can learn about a great number of volunteer activities in the community and, and, and surrounding areas. And we do try to help them realize volunteering is a way to develop skills, uh, develop uh, uh, networking skills, sometimes marketing skills. It depends on the nature of the volunteer work. And then, of course, uh, it's been widely reported and certainly happening with IU students. A number of them are choosing to go into fields or into something like Teach for America, the Peace Corps, uh, th- those kinds of, of areas. And we we usually don't have to sell them on that. They're, they're quite motivated to do those, those, those kinds of things. But we do help, help them realize how, how those activities will strengthen their – will be intrinsically satisfying in and of themselves and also strengthen their curriculum vitae and so on. Mm-hmm. Have you seen more and more students go that route for yes. Teach for American Peace Yes, Corps? yes. Well, how much so? Oh, I don't know that I can give you an exact number but, uh, you know uh, – uh, uh, you know, a high number of seniors, I, I think, are considering those fields, which in and of themselves are getting competitive. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, how many of those actually find actually success in those areas? Because those are those are things that, you know, the Peace Corps, I think, that takes 10 percent of people to actually mm-hmm. apply for them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that might be – they might have less chance of getting that than actually getting a job. Well, know? I know I've mentioned human resilience. Uh, I've talked to a number of students who say, yes, I realize the, chan- the Peace Corps is quite competitive or Teach for America is quite competitive. But, you know, there's a number of non-governmental organizations. There's other kinds of ways of doing service. So they're, they're finding them, I think. Mm-hmm. What about the the feelings that that people can get to when it's been say it's been six months, eight months, a year that they've been unemployed or maybe even underemployed? What um, do how do your jobs change if someone has been out of work or unable to find work for a longer period of time? Are there different strategies or tactics that the both of you use if uh, if the time element is, is different? I'm, I'm trying to figure that one out. Um, that's a good question. I have been working with several folks in Lawrence County that were um, laid off some time ago and are running out of their benefits. So we're dealing with not only the fact that they've been out of the workforce approximately six to eight months or longer, um, and the fact that they have... Um, lost all their connections to their past work family and workforce. So they're dealing with several issues there. What I like to encourage is that they start working part-time as soon as possible to get themselves back in the swing of things. I also encourage that they do look into more educational opportunities, more certifications, things to really find out where they want to be. Um, I'm finding that the folks that have been out of work that long are really struggling, and they're very fearful of trying to get back out there again. So I I don't always address the employment factor right off the bat. It's more of meeting them where they are at that particular time. And what is it we're really needing to address? Is it employment? Is it getting them back out there just to get them back in the swing of things? Or is it to get them more focused on what it is they really want to do? So that's how I would speak to that question. And with students, it's it's a little bit different. It, our, our work, our, our work at the counseling center, might be more along the lines of working with graduate students that have worked for a year and a, have have endeavored for a year and a half to try to find a job. And I think in 
uh, in in our work with them. Um, we do a number of things to try to try to keep them optimistic, try to keep them as again outside the box as as creatively as they can. We frequently remind them. I think there's actual research that for most human endeavors, it it takes ten tries to have success. <laughs> you go through about nine failures before you succeed. So we uh, talk about variations on that theme a lot, and uh, 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 just just. Try to keep their energy up toward continuing the, the job search, continuing uh, to try. Are the both of you seeing people who <clears throat> looked like they had found a job, looked like they were – they're on their way. They've, they've gone – maybe they've gone to a job for a week or two and then the company that they're working for hits some hard times and since these people are the last in, they're often the first out and you have to – obviously with some people, you have to go back to square one. Is that an entirely different – psychological scenario in some ways and and do you have to deal with that problem uh, and helping people solve it in a different way than you'd been dealing with it when they were trying to find the job for the first time? Nancy, would you like to take that um, I think it's different in some ways, but some of the same the same the same kind of processes. Being empathic with them, letting them uh, uh, kind of work through their sense of loss. Uh, it may be extra important to remind them um, that, 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 that it's very important at this time to reassess their 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 strengths. Kim had mentioned earlier to help them maybe think about think, uh, careers or jobs that they would really dream – that they have dreamed of having but not quite let themselves pursue. Uh, I think it's, it's extra important to do those kinds of things with people in that position. I see a lot more anger at that point. Before, it's more desperation and they're motivated and they're really willing to think, you know, to try and get out there. I have had that happen, and um, we have a large number of employment consultants at Centerstone all over the state of Indiana, and I think we hear that consistently at our staffings. What do you do when you finally get that person a job, and they're excited, and they're going to work, and then the company says, I'm so sorry, low man on the totem pole, you're gone. Um, it's devastating. It needs, a, it needs a team approach. I really do think that everyone has to jump in, the therapists, the, you know, the counselors, the reference service folks. Um, case managers, that's when everyone has to rally around these people and let them know that it could happen to any of us at any time. This is not a specific to you or me. It's everybody. Um, and I know that sounds kind of hollow and I don't mean it to, but that's what you have to do is I think when that happens, it's like a triage situation. Everybody has to jump in and do their their particular part to make sure that you don't – you offer this person everything you can so they do not give up and they're willing to get back on that horse and try again. Is, there can be comfort in, in yes. knowing that it's happening to other, other people. Getting back to your point about uh, groups of, of unemployed or very recently unemployed, finding other in, unemployed people to talk with, share the anger. Well, sooner or later, that anger or frustration that's maybe directed towards the people that aren't hiring them, do you guys bear the brunt of that too? Do they get frustrated and angry with you? They do. Well, yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've had I've had many voicemails and knocks on my door when they take it very personally and they don't have anyone else to go to. So you kind of get to be the funnel, the end of the funnel where it comes. But that's part of the job, and you have to you just have to keep it in its place and know that. My job is to help them. Actually, I'm a matchmaker. My job is to find them the right job for the right person. Sometimes, as, as Nancy said, it takes a while. So just to be patient. Yeah, I think part of the part of the function of of a counselor is is to help absorb some of people's anger and help them find find ways of of coping with it. Well, we have our first phone caller on the line. I couldn't quite uh, hear the name of the person on the phone, but uh, do we do we have them? On? Hello. My name's Cynthia. Oh, thank you for calling. Do you have a question? Yes, I didn't get in on the beginning of this, but I understand. But I understand this is uh, an agency called Cornerstone. Is that right? Uh, Centerstone, I believe. Centerstone. Okay. My question is: uh, many people in the state of Indiana were la- job counselors, placement counselors, were laid off when the new governor came in um, five years ago from state employment offices. And so uh, many of those workers were older workers. And what I'm wondering is um, 
how is this agency that the people you're speaking with, how are they funded, and are, uh, did they, in fact, uh, get contracts from the state that basically took away jobs from um, state employees? I was just curious about funding and um, uh, what, uh, you know, where their contracts came from for, for doing what they're doing. Kim, do you know anything about this one? <laughs> well, that is a very good question. Um, I can only speak to the fact that Centerstone is a mental health agency, um, and we are, my position as an employment consultant is paid through vocational rehabilitation. Um, we only take uh, referrals that are certified vocational rehab folks. So does that help clear up any of that for you? And I'm more than happy to direct you to the centerstone.org uh, site if you'd like to have more information no, that helps me if you're through, because vocational rehabilitation is run by the state, but I know um, they do hire private industry or private agencies such as yourself. I didn't realize you just helped um, people with disabilities. I, the specifically for me and for Centerstone Business Employment Consultants, yes, that's okay. what we do. Okay, well, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. Uh-huh. Thank you, Cynthia. Well, we're going to take a quick break here on the edition. We'll be back uh, in, in a minute or so. Listening to Noon Edition on member supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, Smithville Telephone Information at Smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at MotherBearsPizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. Today we're discussing the psychological impact of being unemployed. On the program are Indiana University Counseling and Psychological Services Director Nancy Stockton and Centerstone Employment Consultant Kim Jackson-Modlin. Well, I, I, one thing I was curious about when I was thinking about this topic uh, was uh, perhaps being employed uh, is overrated. Is this something that you communicate? <laughs> <laughs> is this something perhaps you communicate to the people who are, say, desperate? You know, say that they need a, a light at the end of the tunnel and say, well, you know, being employed, being stuck in a desk for eight hours a day, five days a week is, it, you know, might be overrated. Is that something you communicate? I, I think I, my, my initial response is I would communicate that very carefully to someone without a paycheck coming in wondering where the next meal is 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 coming from. So I'd be, be very careful about that. But uh, I think maybe – what lies behind your question is trying to get the, and we've already touched on this, but trying to get the person to explore more uh, other kinds of notions of work, other kinds of things that maybe he or she's always dreamed about. Mm -hmm. It seems like this is one of the the problems with the psychology of all of this is that you sort of have to, it seems, turn a lot of these problems or issues on their head to try to get everybody to, to wrap their head around it and everybody to be on the same page and has there I'm, – I'm curious if either of you have come up with new strategies that before this economic downturn, you might not ever have considered as possible solutions or possible new ways to make people think about things that you have found to be particularly useful. I use a, kind of a community mapping tool in the past. I don't know. I think it's, it was the term where you, you figure out a problem and then you, you trace out all of the agencies that can jump in and help with that. Now we're doing it with the clients that are seeking employment and then we go to the employers and instead of asking the employers for a position from time to time, we ask them, 
these are the clients we're trying to place. Where would you send them in the community? If you don't have anybody, where can you send me? And then we network that way. So I'm using networking in a very different tool. And I'm also, I hate to admit it, I am so desperate for some of these uh, positions that I'm looking for that I uh, Facebook. I will send that request out to everyone and ask, does anybody have any idea? Are there any clues? Um, because I don't think I have all the answers. I don't think anyone does. But when you have the ability for such a broad base request and reply, you know, jump on and it's there. But that's, that's my personal – that's just a new thing I've been trying. Are you both telling your clients to use uh, social networking sites such as Facebook and Twitter to, to try to find jobs, at least network with people who may be able to find them a job? Um, I'm, I'm sure the CAPS counselors do do some of that. Uh, just consider it just you know even more broadly trying to network as as generally as widely as possible. Yeah. Well, Kim, you sort of you sort of uh, you know uh, blanched a second ago at saying that you were, were using Facebook for this, and we asked earlier if there was a stigma to the people who are unemployed. I'm wondering if either of you feel any sort of a stigma at the ways that you're now going about trying to find jobs for people. You you sort of, you know, you sort of scrunched up like, I'm not sure I want to do this. But, I mean, uh, is it not to a point where you have to use absolutely every resource available to you and not feel bad about it in order to do your job as effectively as you can? I think you're validating me, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> you know what? I'm pretty brazen. Yes, I. But that's just for me. Yes, I'm willing. If it's out there, I'm willing to try it, without it, without hesitation. As long as, of course, the Centerstone folks agree with that. But um, yes, Facebook, Twitter. If it's out there, I'm going to try it. I'm not above. Um, Asking even a guy at the Starbucks parking lot if he's mowing grass, you know, hey, are you guys hiring right now? If you know of another agency that's doing well, can you send me there? So, yeah, I'm pretty – I'm willing to try anything. And, yes, I did. I did. Oh, I was afraid to say that because I, I feel like in the past maybe that wasn't a tool that's been used. It was more of a face-to-face basis. But I don't think you can let any opportunity slip by in this economy. I really don't. But that's my position on that. Well, we have our second phone caller uh, on the line. Andy has a question. Andy, you there? Hi. Uh, this is uh, probably geared more toward uh, Nancy, I guess. Uh, I think uh, I have a, a family member, and uh, she had, had graduated about a year, year and a half ago from, uh, from college, got a four-year degree in education, uh, and through college, and, and I remember my days when I went uh, went through it. You, you sort of get this uh, uh, hangover effect after um, after you go through uh, the college experience, and uh, you're sort of sold on the idea. You know, hey, you're you're going to get a job right afterwards. Things are going to, uh, you know, you're, you're ready to start into things, and and you sort of convince yourself, even in a good economy. You sort of, kind of convince yourself that you know, hey, I'm going to be making real good money now, you know. And a lot of the vocational colleges and such really sell you on the idea of you know, hey, go on out, make some good money and such. And I wonder if you find that there's a lot of that hangover effect now, especially since the uh, economy is is not as good as it was a couple of years back. Uh, my family member. Uh, like I said, got a four-year degree in education, cannot find a teaching job anywhere, and is, you know, working at the local Speedway as a cashier. And, you know, her, uh, I know that that takes a, a huge toll on your your self-worth yeah. and the way that you look at yourself. And I just, I'm going to let you answer, and I'll uh, hang up and listen to your comment. Thanks, Andy. Okay, yes, yeah, thank you. That, that That's a tough, tough situation. Um, one of the, the, the pieces of advice I would offer your family member is even though she might be working at a, a kind of fast food job or, or something like that, to, to look for opportunities to volunteer, to, to be associated with, with school systems or, or teaching. Uh, I, I would strongly encourage her to get in contact with local schools and, and check out opportunities for volunteering. I think the more activities that she could have that are tied to her, her vocational goal, her, her vocational dream, the better off she's going to be. 
perhaps a substitute teaching also. A substitute teaching, uh, yeah. Well, thank you, for mm-hmm. your, thank you for your call, Andy. You too can call in if you have a question or, or comment. The phone number is 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-WFIU. Well, one of the things that, uh, uh, Kim, you said earlier in the program that uh, you try to tell people that they're not doing anything wrong. What if, in fact, you feel like maybe they are doing something wrong? How do you help them correct that in, in, a, in, a, in a nice way? Say, uh, listen, you're, you're maybe not giving yourself the best chance. We do, we do have that. that. That happens when they go on interviews. Maybe they're, um, they're not answering the questions directly or their appearance isn't quite what this particular company would like. That's why before we send any of our folks out on interviews, we work with them anywhere from 15 to 20 hours to get them prepped. Then we critique after um, in a very supportive manner. And we also ask them, what do you think you could have done differently? Um, What do we want to try next time? Um, In the past, I've also called the employers and said, you know, if you could offer two or three words of wisdom for the next time, what would you suggest? And then I share that with the client. And sometimes it censor a little bit, but um, just give them tools to teach themselves and to, to empower them for the next interview. And I think it's very similar for the Indiana University student, and we might draw a distinction between they didn't do anything to create this sour economy, but they may not be doing everything optimally uh, correct in, in their job searches. So we help them find resources, the many resources within the university to, uh, to, to help students prepare for job searches. Well, we have another phone caller. In fact, we have two phone callers. Uh, first off, we have Lyle. Lyle, you there? Yes. Um, I uh, First off, I'd like to just suggest you give us the phone number to call. I think I've heard it once in the half-an-hour program. Um, a very fine program, and I appreciate what these people are doing. Um, I was just wondering, I, I heard you uh, talk about, you kind of assessed that there are more qualified people entering the uh, lower-paying jobs uh, now, and, and I'm sure that's happening because of the economy. Um and there's a lot of people very disappointed and um, not getting uh, a job. I wonder if there's any constructive feedback from the potential employers confirming that assessment to your uh, uh, to the people you're working to to get jobs for. And I think it would be a a, a great help to their uh, confidence, a boost to them, and to their uh, zeal to to keep going as you're uh, talking. Um, if somebody maybe maybe you could work with the employers to find out if these people you know how they how they failed the uh, interview or, or actually confirm to them you know on paper somehow uh, that more overqualified people are just entering the force and and uh, they should keep trying. Thank you. Thanks, Lila and Kim. That's that sounds just about exactly what you were just talking about. That was a great recommendation. Yes, it was. All right, let's get to our, our second phone caller. All right, Richard. Uh, Richard has a question. You there, Richard? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, I had a couple of quick comments to make, and well, actually three. I think the third one your listeners are going to be really interested in. But I lost my job about, oh, probably about five months ago, and um, I've searched all over the monster.com, career builder, all those things, and uh, answered every resume possible, and frankly, never had any luck. And and what finally uh, was able, or the way I was finally able to get employed, was actually created a job with a customer with a company that really had no intention of hiring. And uh, I remember from my previous experience, that's how I was hired before. I have several friends that are in the same situation, and I've given them advice, and they're trying the same thing. So uh, I guess my point is that. You can answer 5,000 uh, resumes, send out 5,000 resumes, and still not have any luck. It's very frustrating, and everybody has my complete sympathy. The most important thing is my company actually is hiring now, and, and we've had difficulty finding candidates. And uh, I've heard this from uh, from a few other companies. So I guess my point is there are possibilities out there, but I think I think everybody proact- in this room, Richard, would love to know what company mm-hmm. that is. Yeah, I'm well, about ready to have an aneurysm. Who are you? <laughs> feeling you were going to want that, and I'd be happy to give you that information. I'd probably prefer to give it to you off the air, sure. uh, but I can certainly give you a uh, um, my email address, and, uh, and people can contact me that way and send resumes that way. All right. Well, we can certainly have you talk to our, our producer. Uh, did you have your, your third comment? 
Uh, actually, I think I combined them all into two. But, all right. uh, I, I guess my most important thing is the self-esteem issue is, is so dramatic in these cases, and uh, that's what people have to remember is that if you will get a job. You either survive or you don't, and that positive attitude is so important. I think the fact you reinforce that, Richard, is is really important. And also another thing about your story is very important. You tried all the sort of traditional ways of getting a job. They didn't quite work. And and you tried some less traditional ways, and that did work. I think that's important. Well, thank you, Richard, for your phone call. Uh, Lyle was getting on me for not giving the phone numbers out, so I'll go ahead and give them out another time. But (laughs) they're 812-855-0811. Or one eight seven seven two eight five WFIU. Call us up, uh, ask a question, or, or make a comment. Uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier, Kim, was that uh, some of your clients, uh, their unemployment benefits or some of the other uh, social service benefits, are, have run out for them, or are going to run out soon. And uh, at, a, at a certain point, they all will run out. So, what is the lowest point you've seen, and, and what what do you tell people to do at that point when you know they're not getting their unemployment anymore? Um, what have I told people in the past? I'm going back to the folks in Lawrence County only because I was just working down there with them, um, the folks that were for, uh, working for Ford Visteon and, and GM and are being laid off. You have to keep working with your work one rep that's dealing with your benefits. Don't be afraid to go out and seek an employment consultant. Um, use these folks, a benefits-qualified person that can um, review what you're receiving, how long you have, if there are any other options out there for you. There are folks in the community that are willing to help, Social Security, Workforce One, um, they're all there to help. So don't be afraid to go and ask. If they're running out, then you use what you can to get what you can at the time. Get your foot in the door and then work from there. But don't be afraid to take a position that maybe you thought was unfortunately beneath you or that you never really wanted to revert back to. If you can get your foot in the door, there's always something that's going to open up for you. Have you seen some of your clients change? They come into your office initially. Maybe they're timid. Maybe they're not willing to take the steps to do these extra things that are going to end up in a job. Have you seen their personalities change? Have you seen them become more outgoing? I've seen that. They vacillate. Um, Sometimes they'll come in and they'll say, I'll do anything. Just tell me where it is and I'll do it. Then they go to, I don't want to do that or I'm not good enough for this. So um, I see a gambit of emotions. And that's, of course, why I refer them back to um, one of the mental health professionals and get them back on track to where they're feeling more stable and they're willing to go after um, what we need to do to get them there. And then I'm going to defer to Nancy because I know she was nodding her head, but... Don't you see a lot of that? Nancy? Well, yeah. You, when your question uh, sparked a memory of a particular student that I think is emblematic of a, of a lot of students. Uh, when she was a graduate student, and when she first came in, she was not getting, not having any luck getting a job. She was depressed and and kind of uh, uh, inactive for for maybe a month. And then I certainly saw her change in that she developed much more persistence. Uh, she was applying for all kinds of different jobs. She was reaching out to different people to help uh, help her spruce up her curriculum vitae uh, and and uh, making use of a lot of resources. That particular story has a happy ending. Uh, it, it paid off and she did indeed get a, a kind of dream job for her. But it took months and months and months. So I, th- I think I definitely see some students – change in the direction of being more persistent. You know, we've talked about this more or less on an individual level, individual job seekers so far in the program. I'm wondering, you know, some of our listeners are in Kokomo and in Bedford, places that have seen high unemployment, have seen a lot of job losses thanks to the auto industry's downfall. And so you've got communities that might be depressed as a whole and there is certainly something I think to be said for if the people around you are depressed, then so too can you be. How do you get people either individually or as a group uh, out of this mindset that you know, a place like Kokomo, you've got almost 20 percent unemployment. Uh, is, it, is it tougher do you think to get – one person in a large group of people who are having a hard time to move uh, in a positive direction or does it – is your message in fact that, well, it has to start with somebody. Why not you? 
Uh, that, that that's a tough question. I think it, it, obviously it's it, 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 there's no question that it's tougher when you're in a community with 20 percent unemployment. I mean that that is truly uh, challenging. Um, you know, maybe having a lot of programs that reach a lot of single individuals that that can lead and give hope to to other individuals would be one way of going about it. Doing everything, I think the community should should do everything it can to to hook people up together, to link people uh, in, in in their struggles, so that it's a a kind of unified effort, a communal effort, obviously. I go with it takes a village. Everyone has to do their part. And I think as a community, um, for example, we're offering a Talk It Out program. It's coping with stress in these tough economic times, and it is free to anyone that's interested. We'll be running that at the end of August. But that's just one tiny piece in the puzzle, and I think it's, it's my belief that the communities have to start, even if it's with that one individual, to get them back on track and motivated and know that there are there are services out there for them and there is the support available if they'd like it. Well, let's go back to the phones. We have two callers on the line. Uh, first up is Deborah. Deborah, do you have a question? Um, I do. I joined the program late, so I don't know the name of, of the agency that you have on the program today or the contact number on um, how to get a hold of them. I'm wondering if it's just for students. Um, I'm the mother of a 24-year-old that was hit by a car when he was 15 he had one year of college. He's able to work, um, but he has epilepsy now because of the traumatic brain injury, so he doesn't do well with mornings. But he's been interviewing and talking to people since January and can't find anything. And I'm sitting outside the bank now ready to go in and pay the car payment, and I paid the insurance last month, and it's really taking a toll. So just who are you, how do I get a hold of you, and who do you serve? Thank you. My name is Kim, and I do work for Centerstone here in Bloomington. I also work out of the Lawrence County office. But let me give you the number to Centerstone. It's 344-8802. Go ahead and give them a call. Let them know what you're needing. Um, or you can most, certainly ask for myself or Paul Dell. We are employment consultants, and we're more than happy to help you. And if not, we can also um, hook you up with some other services that might be able to jump in and, and help you guys out right now. And I'm, I hear that you are very, very uh, desperate to find some uh, support for your son. There are also other agencies in town, so if you'd like to contact us, I'll be more than happy to give you any information I have. And one of the things we will do at the end of this program is we will put that phone number and the information that our producer got from Richard earlier, we'll put that all up on our website, which is wfiu.org slash noon edition so that it will be consistently available to anybody who's listening today. Thank you for your, for your call, Deborah. Uh, we have another caller on the line. Kevin uh, has a question. Kevin? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my name is Kevin, and I operate a... Um Small not-for-profit business in Columbus that actually, or I'm sorry, in Bloomington, um, that actually employs people with disabilities. And we recently hired one of the clients that Kim works with, and it's been a, a really good experience for us. He's an excellent employee. <clears throat> Pardon me, but I'm calling really to uh, offer a follow-up comment to a previous caller. Uh, one of your callers was encouraging employers to kind of give some feedback to folks who are interviewing to Im improve their uh, interviewing skills and increase their employability. And I just wanted to echo that. Um, I do that quite a lot, and it's a big investment of time, but I think it's worthwhile for a couple of reasons. Number one, it just seems like the right thing to do, uh, helping people, particularly in these economic times, uh, increase their employability just just feels like the right thing to do, but as an employer, I, you know, I think it offers a distinct advantage in as much as I, I kind of have a really good idea of who in the community is available so that if I do have an opening, I already have interviewed folks, I already know who's qualified, I already have applications, I can make a phone call uh, and, and fill that position right away. So there's a real kind of economic advantage to me as an employer to do that. So I just kind of wanted to echo those sentiments and, and uh, suggest to other employers in the community that they uh, uh, consider that, that procedure. 
Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for your call. That's something I kind of want to talk about. When, when you apply for a job, you have to essentially master skills that you probably won't be calling on a, a whole lot in the actual job. Uh, for instance, um, it, let's say you, you blow an interview, but let's say that you know, you're not really put in that position at all in the, in, the, in the job you're applying for. Let's say that your resume doesn't look very good. Well, maybe you're not very good at Microsoft Word, but maybe the job that you're applying for doesn't even call on that skill. How do you train them to do well on the very things that they have to master to get the job when, in fact, the job they're looking for or they want doesn't really call on those skills at all? That's when you, you start to be a detective before you send them to the interview. You try to find out a little bit more about the business, what their needs are, what they're looking for, so that when you get your person in the door, as Kevin was speaking of with Red Oaks Industry, um, you can help them out. You can um, go on the job with them, help them do some pre-training. Red Oaks also offers some training in janitorial services, for example. So I would try to get my um, my client to do some maybe some work experience prior to or just do a little bit more research on the position. Do Give them whatever tools they need to do the best job they can. Well, we only have about a minute and a half left. Uh, let's talk about some of the successes that you've had. When, when you've gone through this process of months and months and months trying to find uh, jobs for people and it's been a struggle, uh, how do you feel when they actually uh, get a job? What, what sort of things do you do? Do you go out and celebrate with them? <laughs> yeah, I mean there's a psychological component for the two of you as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think our, our our successes with students or our clients are certainly uh, one of the major sources of our own job satisfaction. Uh, in in terms of of caps, in terms of a counseling center, uh, all of the 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 celebration and, and joy and so on are enacted in the session. We uh, so we we uh, at. Uh, share the share the joy with our clients and also help reinforce for them the kinds of the the, the ways that they have done it to do things to enhance their self esteem. Mm-hmm. I do a happy dance. <laughs> I do, oh my gosh, I got another place. Um, and we also go out for ice cream or whatever the client wants to, to let them know, hey, you did it, you nailed it, you mm-hmm. got it. So, but yes, mine's a lot. Le- I, I do a happy dance. <laughs> it's a good note to end on. Yeah, great. Uh, well, thank you both for being here. We're out of time. We really appreciate you uh, you uh, coming here today. It was fun. Thank you. Next week, we'll wrap up our three-part series on the economy with a show on how to market yourself uh, when job prospects aren't high. Thank you to Nancy and Kim for being here again. For Stan Dostrebsky, producer Regan McCarthy, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Daniel Robison. Thank you for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.